If you like titles, the title of today's message is Aim at Something. Turn to someone you haven't yet spoken to and say, Aim at Something. This is part 12 and the final part of our Spirit of Adventure series. Um, probably the vast majority of you have been uh, walking through this series together. I've had lots of great feedback. I know it's been helpful to so many. If you've missed any or have suddenly come and thought that sounds great, you can go onto the podcast app and type in Kesed Church. You can go onto our website and look for archive messages. They are there. We have covered things like courage and obedience, thankfulness, tithing, having a seed mentality, saying yes, forgiveness, being Jesus, what's coming out of your mouth, evangelism, being single, being married, and today we're going to talk about vision. But it was all based on this picture of this boat, and I saw it on Facebook uh, last year. This boat is called the Spirit of Adventure. And what got me, and many of you will know this already, but what got me is it's multiple sailed, and the boat won't go forward unless the sails are up. And the more sails that get up, the wind can get in those sails and propel it forward faster. We are using that analogy and creating a picture that every biblical principle becomes a sail. And you get a choice in your life to say, yes, I'm going to apply that, or no, I'm not. And when you say yes, in effect, you are raising a sail. And the Holy Spirit can blow into that agreement and push you and propel you further forward. So my hope is that if you're applying all the principles we've talked about in the past 11 messages, you will be heading somewhere right now. The trick, I think, is, is to keep reminding yourself. Because I wonder if you're still applying the truths we talked about in the first message. I wonder if you're still applying the truths we talked about in the third message. And the answer for many people I know will be no. But I challenge you and encourage you and implore you, remind yourself. One of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit is that he will remind you. Sometimes you don't need to learn something new. You just need to remember what you already know and apply it. So remind yourself of what God's been teaching you. Because I believe if you apply all of those principles at the same time consistently, you will be somewhere different this time next year. Hopefully not in location, because I want you here. But in terms of where your life's going, how you're handling things, your, your success and favor that's on your life, what, your, what difference you're making. And John 10.10 10 is our theme verse here, Jesus speaking. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and to destroy. I, Jesus, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You see, the way we've set this up is if that's the truth, and we believe that's the truth, then every principle you find in God's word will ultimately lead you to a more abundant life. Jesus came that you would have fullness now. And so if you live life his way now, it will take you into that concept. Because otherwise, Jesus is a liar. And he's not a liar. He has to be truthful. So therefore, I am challenging you to apply the truths we're talking about if you want to experience that. Because the great thing is, God's given us clever minds and he's given us free will and choice. And so when we choose life, we step into that. Turn to someone else and say, choose life. So today, I want to finish up on vision. Because if we're going to apply all these truths and we're going to head somewhere, where do you want to go? And you need some vision. I believe you need vision. Capital N, capital E, capital E, capital D. You need vision. So, so important in your life. You need more than one vision. You need a vision for your marriage. You need a vision for your work and financial world. You need a vision for your parenthood. You need a vision for your social life. And all those things are very, very important. But don't you also need a life vision? 
And I want to encourage you to ask yourself some of these questions. What stirs you up to action? What gets under your skin so much that you have to do something about it? What stirs you? What agitates you? What are you passionate about? What are you prepared to go over the top and get stuck into because you can't leave it the same? What gets you excited? At the end of it all, what do you want to be remembered for? These are great questions because they apply to vision. Because if you can answer those questions now, it will affect where you're aiming your life. And you need to aim it somewhere. So it's so important that we get our vision correct. And surely it's more than, I hope to meet a husband or a wife, I hope to buy a home, I hope to have some good holidays, and at the end of all that, I die and go to heaven. That is a good vision, but is that it? Surely there has to be more than that. And I want to stir you up this morning to decide, what am I passionate about? What do I want to make a difference in? What do I want to sow my time and energy in so it doesn't stay the same? That's a great vision. And I want to encourage you to get into that. Can I throw a thought in right at the beginning? If your vision doesn't need God to succeed, the vision's too small. If you can do it all by yourself and you don't need God, then it's too small. I want to encourage you, get a better vision. Get a bigger vision. Because God wants to use you. We are the church. The people outside of the church can do things on their own. How much more can we do things with God? And so I want to encourage you, get a big vision. Even with marriage. To smash marriage out of the park. To have the best marriage. You need God in the middle of it. Statistics prove that. Even to have a great work life. You need God in the middle of it. Because he will give you favor, open doors, cause things to work for you that wouldn't happen without him. So if your vision for your workplace doesn't need God, get God in the middle of it and watch where it might go. In your financial world, in your relationships, all these things, you need God in the middle of it to have the fullest life. So get a big vision. Hebrews 11.6 says this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You see, if you've got no faith, if you can do it without God, you can't please him. So therefore, you have to believe he's there and apply him to your situation, which in the end is faith, so that your vision will go to another place. You see, I like the Hebrews 11.1 definition of faith, being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you don't yet see. You see, your vision is what you're hoping for. You can see it up here. I'm believing for X and Y and Z. I can see it. That's what I'm hoping for. But I am certain I will see it in my reality because I have faith. And so when you're drawing on God in your vision, you're exercising faith and it keeps him in the middle of it all. And when he's in the middle of it all, you can go way beyond what you'll ever do. And it pleases him. So get some faith. Here's the key verse for today. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says this. Where there is no revelation... And some, some uh, um, interpretations say vision. Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. And here's the concept. Picture yourself a horse. And when you put the reins on a horse, it restrains the horse. Therefore, the jockey or the rider dictates where the horse goes because it restrains it. 
Do you understand that? If you didn't have the restraint on the horse, the horse is powerful. It can shoot off over there, and it can shoot off over there. It can jump the fence. It can go over all kinds of directions, and you're out of control just hanging on for dear life. And I wonder sometimes, is that how we're living life? Just out of control. It's, it's a powerful thing. But when you have restraint, you say, no, 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 we're not going over there. We're not going over there. We're going here. And it keeps your life heading in the right direction. And when you've got a vision, everything you think, everything you say, and everything you do has to flow through the vision. Therefore, it keeps you going in the right direction. Do you understand that concept? Here's a vision for you. I would love to have a great family home with children and a wife that are going for it with God. That's a good vision, isn't it? So if my vision is that, everything I think, say, and do has to flow through that. So therefore, I need to watch what I speak in my own home. I need to speak loving words to my wife, caring words to my wife, encouragement to my children to create an environment where they can flow. We then need to make sure we're putting ourselves in places and in relationships with people of faith so that our relationship with God is developed by rubbing shoulders with other people of like mind. Putting yourself in that worship environment. Having stuff on at home that impacts that. Because if not, we're going to go off over there and over there and over there. But because we choose that our vision is to have a happy home full of love going for God, they're the things we're going to do. And we restrain ourselves from other things. If I chose to come home from work a bit tired and grumpy, everyone ever been tired and grumpy after work? Come on, you big fat liars. There's more of you than that. And I come home and, oh, flipping it, Sarah. Oh, isn't it dinner on the table yet? Josh, stop doing that. For crying out, Evie, what's the matter with you? If I do that, we're, de we're deteriorating the vision. We're deflecting somewhere else. Because that isn't happy. That isn't going for God. That is something very different. But I restrain that. Sometimes it's really hard. <laughs> but I restrain that because we have a vision and we're going for it. And so, therefore, everything you think, do, and say has to flow through the vision. You cannot cast off restraint because the vision will just go all over the place and you won't end up anywhere. It's so, so important that we get those things right. Look at that through our church vision. That, that our strap line in Kesset Church is to build a numerically large church to impact the town. And the idea isn't to worry about the, the large church, but the impact that large numbers can bring. And so, therefore, what we do and how we set things up has to flow through that. So people come in here and they go, oh, your band is really great, really rocking and pumping. I got that. Unchurched people come in and they get that. The reason we do that is because we have a vision to reach out lots of people. So we appeal to the masses. Now, there are other churches that wave flags and lay on the floor and all that, and that's brilliant. But it isn't going to appeal to the masses. And because our vision is for numbers, we are doing things that will appeal to numbers because that's the vision. Do you understand that? And so the way we speak, you know, you get someone like me up here talking and hopefully I can engage with people who don't yet know Jesus. Some of the Christians in the building are like, oh, he's not up there again going on, is he? <laughs> but you know what? Other people come into the building and go, I understood that. That helped me. And we talk in a way that's going to engage with people because it's restraining. There are lots of ways to do church, and they're all brilliant. But we need to do it in a way that's going to take us into our vision. Do you get that? So that's why we do what we do, and it's also why we don't do some of the things other people do. Not because it's wrong, not because it's not brilliant, but this is our vision. 
And so we're doing it that way. Do you get that? Live your life like that. Whatever your vision is, start thinking, what do I need to do and say and act like to head in that direction? Because if you're not doing that, you're off over here, you're off over here, and your goal's always been over there, but you found yourself over here because you chose not to restrain yourself. And you do get a choice. So choose life. And the person next to you say, choose life. I just briefly want to touch on a little bit of Nehemiah's story. Because Nehemiah had, a, Nehemiah had a story. He had something in his life that really bothered him. Really bothered him. You see, the wall was broken down around Jerusalem, and it bothered him. It was in ruins, and yet he was like, this isn't right. It bothered him so much that it just got in him. And I want to encourage you guys, there is something that is in you. Engage with that. Engage with that, because I believe it will never go away, because God's put it there. Engage with that. Let it stir in you and develop in you and start creating a lifestyle to head towards it. Look at this in Nehemiah 1, verses 3 and 4. They said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. You see, he heard the story and it bothered him that he wept for many days. How many of you have got so upset you've cried for many days? Not many of us. Probably the only time you do that is when you split up with a loved one. Oh, it's the end of my world. She's left me. I might as well just die. When in reality, probably someone else will come along. But that's how we get. But Nehemiah was so moved by the situation that it bothered him to fast and pray and weep and say, come on, God. I cannot leave this the same. It's in me. And so then his actions flowed through that vision. I've got to make a difference. What should I be doing then to make a difference? So he started asking some questions, pushing some doors, putting some feelers out. And he spoke with the king. Let's have a look at Nehemiah 2, verses 2 through 4. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad, since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's, my place of the father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Then the king said to me, What do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. I love that. You see, when someone he wasn't expecting saw his distress, he said, what do you want? And isn't it interesting when God stirs something in you so much, often provision comes from a place you're not even expecting. And the king, who, by the way, is able to supply everything he needed, said, what can I do for you then? And so I encourage you, church, to get a vision in you that actually requires God to step in because he will. And suddenly you're starting to think, well, how on earth did that come about? Well, I'll tell you how it came about. The God of heaven loves me. And he stirred something in me, and I was willing to believe for it. And I asked some questions. I was afraid to ask the king. But I said, let the king live forever. I honored him and respected him. But this is my situation. And his response was, what can I do? Brilliant. Love that. 
how about add this concept into our equation that we're building right now here in Proverbs 16, verse 9. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. You see, I've got this, you know, I've chatted to so many brilliant people in our church life, and they come to me saying, oh, I'd really love to see this happen. And I'm like, brilliant. I think I have rarely, if ever, said no. I want to create a platform in our church life to to see your vision come true. It's not about me, it's about us. And people have come to me and said, oh, I've got this. And so often they go away and a month and two months and six months later, nothing's happened. And I chat to them and say, what, what, what happened there? And they, they are, people are so worried that they'll do the wrong thing that they don't do anything. Do you see? And I want to say, if you're doing nothing, you're not moving anywhere. Have you ever tried to steer a ship that's not moving anywhere? You can move the, other, the, the others. <laughs> S- female cow kind of ship. You can move the rudders. <laughs> but it won't go anywhere. It will stay in the same place. Uh, did anyone see me trying to move the minibus last week? Anyway, the power steering has gone on the minibus and the thing weighs about 25 tons. And that's before Ian got in it. And, and uh, the power steering's gone. So when it is stationary, I mean, I'm a relatively strong guy, and I was given everything just to turn the thing like that. It's really hard to steer something that is stationary. In fact, it's impossible to steer something that's stationary. But this is where we need to trust God. Make a plan. Because in the end, you'll start saying, I'm going to do it this way. And then God will say, no, 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 just over this way a little bit. He will put you in the right place if you'll move. You need to trust him. That right there is faith. I've got a good plan. I see something. I want it to happen, so I'm going to start walking towards it. And gently, by his spirit, he prompts you this way. And that, I believe, is one of the strengths of church. That you have people who love you, people who are looking from the outside, who are prayerful, people who might have wisdom, and they'll come in and say, that's great, that vision. I know you're heading that way, but have you thought about this? And then slowly... By using people and conversations, by using his word and and prayer times, God just shifts you a little bit, and he is directing your steps. But if you don't push a door, if you don't ask a question, if you don't move, he can't steer anything. So it holds with us. The ball is in our court. I love what happened in Acts 16.6. It says this. Now they had gone through, uh, how are we going to say that? Phrygia. They'd gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. So here are the early apostles going around full of zeal to see the name of Jesus broadcast everywhere. And they were getting a vision to go to Asia. But we don't know how, but we know that because of their closeness to the Holy Spirit, he said no. So you can trust God if you make a plan and step out in it. If it's wrong, he will stop it. So how about church? We grow a set. And start pushing some doors, asking some questions, getting some movement on the thing that stirs you most. Because you might find that actually God steps in with a king who could supply the very thing you needed. Don't you know that God's names are true? Jehovah Jireh, he protects me. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord who's my banner, he's my supplier of all my needs. And so therefore when God provides and God protects, and God directs, all you need to do is start moving, and you will end up in the right place at the right time. 
because he loves you. He did it for Nehemiah, and he'll do it for you. Who knows that if you've got a God-inspired vision in your heart, there's going to be opposition. Always opposition. Nehemiah 2, verses 19 and 20 says this. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, his plan to build the wall, they laughed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing you are doing? You will rebel against the king? You see, suddenly they're doing this thing, and they're getting on with the very thing that they believe for to be right. They've had provision, but then people are still going, oh, you'll never achieve that. Oh, what on earth are you doing? Anyone had a vision, pushed out in it, and had some of those comments? But I want to encourage you. The question you need to ask yourself is, are you passionate enough to push past that? Have you got enough about your personhood to say, you might say that, but I believe in this, and I'm going to live like this, and I'm going to push through this. There will always be negativity, always. When I, I started this church, you know, it was so great because so many people got around me and prayed, yeah, you can do it. But there was also a whole gang of people saying, mm, really? This culture doesn't need another church. What's your training? Who are you covering? All this stuff came at me. At that point, never having even preached a message yet, I could have thought, oh, yeah, you're probably right. But no, God had put a passion in me to see a church like this in this town. And I'm prepared to go for it. And do you know what? My name, Barry, means spearhead. And I believe my mom and dad were inspired. Probably didn't realize it back then to give me that name. Because do you know what? I'm going to keep going. And I pray you'll keep coming with me. Because we will see. I am sure of what I hope for and certain of what I'm going to see. If you'll push with me, we're going to do something amazing. But we have to be restrained and stick to the vision so that we can love this town with the love of Jesus. Isn't it going to be great when we find ourselves buying homes for homeless people? Isn't it going to be great when we go out giving food to people who can't eat? Isn't it going to be great when we go and introduce people to Jesus? We are going to do more and more and more on that. The great thing is we're already doing some of that. Because God said, be faithful with the small. And so we're getting on and doing some stuff. But I'm believing for more. And I pray you'll believe with me. Here's a picture I had for you. It's a one-minute clip, and it's from Forrest Gump. But, uh, you know, it'll be pretty self-explanatory. I wonder if someone could just get the lights there for me. Is there someone there? Um, can we play that clip, please, um, Ian? I'm fairly sure that's fairly self-explanatory, but this is what I believe. There are people sat in this building and people who may listen to this podcast that are trying to run and you're shackled. 
But if you'll believe. You know, there were some kids behind him throwing stones at him. You know, Andy told me off for not allowing that line that says, run, Forrest, run. <laughs> throwing stones at him. Taking the mickey out of the disabled kid. But you know what? I believe there are people in your life saying, you can't do this. You will never mount it. You will never get there. But I want to say, yes, you will. And I encourage you to start running. And you may feel like you're not getting very far. But eventually, if you keep going, the shackles are going to come off. And I love what he said there. I could run like the wind blows. You couldn't make this stuff up. The Holy Spirit is going to blow into your life and steer you somewhere if you keep going. But you need to believe in here and say, I'm going there no matter what. And I'm not going over here. Even if I have to make a choice to ban that in my life, I'm going there. And I'm not going over here because I'm going to make a choice of life to say, I'm going here. And if you all keep going, you will run like the wind. And the world will be a better place because you're in it. And that is what the church should look like. I love this uh, from Graham Cook. It's It's a slide here. I'll read it to you. You can tell the quality of someone's inner life by the amount of opposition it takes to discourage them. You see, one of the keys we need as Christians, if we're carrying a vision, is to stay close to Jesus. You see, when you're close to Jesus, it doesn't matter how many Sam Ballots are in your life saying you can't do it, you'll never mount it, because there's a conviction in your heart that says, I'm going to get there. And you cannot be discouraged. Uh, and, you know, I stand here as a lead pastor. I make it my business to stay close to Jesus. Because I have to give an account for all you bunch of Herberts. <laughs> so I need to be on the ball. And that means you cannot discourage me. It's funny, we have people around for dinner and people said to us, I don't know how you do it sometimes. People saying this, people leaving, people doing that, people dropping back. But you know what? You'll never discourage me. Because it's a God thing. Yeah. And I'm going there. Yeah. And my inner life will keep me there. I encourage you to do the same. What is it that's in you that you're passionate about, that you want to see changed? Go there and keep going there and keep going there and stay close to Jesus. Psalm 37, 4 says this. Delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, sometimes I think this verse can get twisted because sometimes I think what that really means is pray a prayer and God will give you anything you want. That's not what it says. Lord, give me the numbers of the lottery for Saturday. (laughs) It's my desire. That's not it. You see, it's delight yourself in the Lord. And I love this. And and an analogy I'd like to use to help you understand this is my relationship with my daughter, Evie, who's eight years old and epic. It's become my favorite word at the moment. I I put Evie to bed at night, and we always chat through the day and pray a prayer together and have a little hug. And sometimes I can drop a little thought into her life. And I'll say to her, Evie, how about tomorrow when we get up, how about we make mummy breakfast in bed? That's a really good idea, isn't it? And Evie's like, yeah, yeah, Daddy, we'll do that. We'll, what time are we going to get up? Okay, we'll get up about half six. Now, let's call it seven. We'll get up at seven, and we'll make mummy breakfast in bed. Well, you can bet your bottom dollar at 6.59, Evie stood next to my bed. And I'm like, okay, let's go. And we go downstairs, and she's all chuffed, and we do it, and we bring it upstairs, and she's proud as punch. And Sarah's like, what, 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 what? And we go, yeah, we've got your bacon and eggs. We've got hash browns, <laughs> sausages, toast. We've got you some orange juice. In fact, it's three different flavors of orange juice. <laughs> Tea, coffee. We've been to Costa already. Um, not discounting any other brands. And, um, <laughs> and we bring it to her. Happens most days, and it bubs. <laughs> Here is my point. Evie delights in her relationship with her father. And when I say to her, Evie, what about this? It becomes her passion. It becomes her vision. 
But more than that, I do it with her. And so when she delights herself in me, she gets what she wanted. But actually, it was me that dropped the thought in the first place. And so in delighting yourself with the Father, he will drop thoughts into your life which become your passion. And so when you're saying, God, give me that, do you know what the answer is going to be? Yes, because it was his idea anyway. The trouble is we discount God from our, our, where we want to head and our dreams. And we say, oh, that's what I want. God, give me that. But when we delight ourselves in the Lord, we become more like him and closer to him. And we actually start thinking how he thinks. And then he gives us the desires of our heart out of that relationship. Do you see that? So the key for us in whatever vision you're carrying is stay close to Jesus. Pray. Get on your knees. If you mean business, if you really want to go somewhere, stay close to Jesus because it will take you somewhere amazing. Now, I don't want to over-egg this truth, but I believe it's the truth. Genesis 13, 15. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. There's a concept that if you can see it, you can have it. But I believe this. If you see it through relationship with God, you can have it. You see, I believe God's given me a vision. It's God's vision, not mine, to see a numerically large church. And I believe I'll have it because it's his vision. He's given, he's entrusted to me. And so when you see something out of relationship with God, you will have it because it's a biblical principle. It's not like I go outside and I see a Lamborghini drive past. I've seen it. I can have it. It's out of relationship with Father that he gives me a picture. He says, I'll have it. Everything you can see can have it and they'll bless you for it but that is totally affected and impacted by the environments you place yourself in and the relationships you find yourself in you see if you're carrying an envision and you put yourself in an environment which is just no god in it at all it's going to affect how you think how you see and how you speak if you're hanging around with people who've got no jesus in their life and do that because who else are we reaching out to? But if you're spending so much time with those people, it will affect how you see it, how you feel about it, how you think about it, and how you speak about it. It will affect you. And I am not, I am not, I am not saying stay away from unchurched people. I say get involved with unchurched people. Be around them loads, but don't let them impact you. You impact them. These environments are where you'll find yourself getting stirred vision, and it's good. David came a cropper in this very issue. You'll probably know the story. But the background is this, that they're at war and they're in a season where the kings are supposed to lead the battle. David is the king. He chose not to go to battle. And rather than that, stay at home, chill out a little bit and wait for the reports to come back. He should have been in that environment, but he was in this environment. He should have been hanging out with the warriors, but he was hanging out with the servants. He was in the wrong environment with the wrong people and it affected what he saw. So he's walking around on the roof when he should have been fighting the battle, and he looks across and he sees Bathsheba. And this is what it says in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 2. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. David saw something. When he sees it, he wants to have it. He should never have seen it. He shouldn't have been there. He was in the wrong place with the wrong people, and it affected what he saw. The fruit of that was that he slept with Bathsheba. He got her pregnant. He was embarrassed by that. 
So after having one lie, he tries to create another lie. And he invites Uriah, who is Bathsheba's husband, to come back from war to spend some time with his wife. Obviously hoping that he would sleep with her. Then he could say, well, it was obviously your baby because you came home. But Uriah was a man of honor. And he wouldn't go in the bedroom. He sat outside the bedroom saying, how can I be with my wife when all my friends are at war? I can't do it. What a man of honor. David is like, don't. Because now he's got no backup plan. So what does David do? He's already made one mistake. He's now made two mistakes. So he goes on to make a third mistake. He says, send Uriah to the front of the battle. Now, anyone who knows anything about war, the front of battle means you are going to die. It was a death sentence. Have you seen any of the epic, epic war films that are out there now where they all run at each other? Who knows the front three lines all die? Do you know, want to be in the front three lines? So he sends him there and he dies. And so now, the fruit of not being in the right environment, not being in the right relationship, therefore seeing the wrong thing, the fruit is he's got the wrong woman pregnant and he's killed her husband. That's not good fruit. The shame is the unnamed child never gets named. The child dies. Eventually, David does marry Bathsheba and we end up with Solomon and God's grace is all over that situation. But you don't want to be living that lifestyle. My encouragement to you is if you want to have a God-given vision, put yourself in the right environment with the right people and allow it to stir in you. And when you've got a vision, don't detract from it. Be restrained. Make a good choice. Every principle we've looked at in this series is actually about choice. I set before you life and death. Choose life. And you get to make that choice every day, several times a day. I love the fact that I'm looking at a bunch of people who made a choice of life this morning. You could have got out of bed, looked at the sunshine and thought, oh, it's lovely out there. I might go and top up the old tan. Because it's nice. And we only get sun in England about twice a year, so you don't want to miss it. But you didn't choose that. And I'm not saying that's a choice of death particularly. But coming to church is a choice of life. You put yourself in an environment where God can stir something on the inside of you of passion that will actually make a difference in the world. You having a tan is nice but it's not going to make a difference in the world. Coming to church will, especially if you make the choice consistently. Turn to the person next to you and say, you look good without a tan. Sarah's giving it at the front. You can fake it. You can fake it. Get the old orange palms. Funny elbows. You're a brilliant person. And I guess when I share these messages, it's because my heart cries out that you live a great life. You know, I just love it when someone comes back to me and says, I made a decision based on some of the things that have happened and been said. And it's taken me here when I could have ended up here. It stirred my faith and it's gone to a new level. And X, Y, and Z's happened because I'm applying the truths. I love you guys. I work hard at these messages because I want to see you go somewhere. I want to see your life skyrocket. And I believe God's word is true. And if we apply it, it makes a difference. So ask yourself the questions. What's your passion? What do you want to be remembered for? What is your skill set? What do you need in order to start? Will you start? And are you passionate enough to keep going? You know, the great thing is in church life, I just want to celebrate two or three people. And I could celebrate hundreds of people, quite frankly. But there are people in this building who have made choices because of vision. 
restrain their life in order to see this thing shift. You know, I want to celebrate Matty Bills. Matty Bills works about a 300-hour week. He says there isn't that many in a week. But then he comes and he does church news, and you see it every week. And then he comes and he learns new songs and puts a rota together and puts the band on there, and they are phenomenal. The reason he does that is because he believes in the vision we're carrying and he's prepared to restrain his life to say, we are going to make it happen. Let's give the man a round of applause. <laughs> there are a bunch of people that go out on a Friday night to a youth club in St. Anne's. Most of us don't ever see it. But there's a gang of teenagers and young people in that place that are having their life and thought processes transformed because people are willing to give up their Friday night. They've been at work all week, just like all of us. Who knows, you get to Friday and quite frankly, you want to put your feet up and have a beer and a barbecue. But these guys say, no, 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 no. I see something in these people and I want to shift it. I'm passionate enough about it to restrain. I can do without the beer and the barbecue. I'm going to go and give my time to these young people. And we're getting reports back where they're thinking different. They're seeing themselves differently. They're going home to broken homes where there is no vision. And they're all on the nick and the pinch and stuff's going on. Horrible words in the home. But they're coming to a youth club and they're saying, wow, there's something good in you. Help me pull that out of you. Lift your head. You're a good person. Don't feel like you've got to end up here because other people around you have ended up here. Maybe you could end up higher than that. We're sowing vision into people's lives. And so there are a gang of people here, and I encourage you, could you give up a Friday night? Even one a month, two a month. Maybe you'll end up so passionate about it, you can't miss it. But there are people in this building who give their Friday nights up to bless someone else because of what they see. And I won't embarrass anyone, but round of applause for those people who are in the building. You know, we've got Pete and M. Brandies. They come to the church, they've been with us for several years now, brilliant people, and they've come and they've brought vision to see IJM and the Hope Ministries lifted in our church life. And they've been tenacious about it because they can see lives changed. And so they promote it and they push it and they create a Facebook page and they, they do talks on it and Pete cries and does cartwheels on the stage about it because he believes in it. But what it's done is it's shifted the vision in us to say, yeah, I don't want to see any young people sex trafficked anymore. So we'll give some money to it. We'll pray into it. People have jumped out of airplanes over it. People have put concerts on about it. All kinds of things. People have ran half marathons for it. Why? Because Pete and Em have said, come on, let's go somewhere. Let's take this somewhere. And it's moving some people. But the great thing is lives are being changed. This week just gone in the Dominican Republic where all of our money goes, Five girls were saved this week from sex trafficking. Give yourselves and Pete and Emma a round of applause. It's because they're saying, my life has to count for something. Lord, you've given me a passion. I'm not going to spend my time doing this and this. I'm going to do this. And it brings change. I could be slightly biased here, but I want to celebrate my parents, who are flipping phenomenal. They've got a great oldest son. He's epic. But dad, I know he doesn't look it, but he's 93. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I've ruined it. Dad's 71 years old, should have been retired long ago. And although he doesn't go to work per se, you won't believe the amount of hours he gives to this church. 
because he sees something. And he doesn't just potter around doing nothing. He's counseling people. He's praying for people. He's helping bring vision to the church. We're discussing things. We're getting the right things in order so that we can go somewhere. My mum spent hours preparing a seminar that I hope you'll come to on Sunday because it will change your world. She doesn't have to do it, but God's put something on the inside of her and says, I can't just do nothing. I've got to do it. And I know because I love her. And she says, God, why do you keep giving it to me to do it? I don't want to do it. But when God says do it, you've got to do it, haven't you? And so she pushes because she sees something in all of you guys. But she doesn't just want to see it. She wants to experience it. The church equipped to make a difference. Give them a round of applause. They're a brilliant people. I, I could go on and on and on. So many brilliant people. We've got Elise out the front here. You know, I've only been in church just over a year. But she's so passionate about it. Ellie gives every single Tuesday to the church. Comes in, 9 o'clock in the morning, stays through to the school runner in the afternoon. Doesn't get any money for it, but she wants to do it because she's passionate about it. Who can feel the nice air conditioner on right now? Last week, the air conditioning went wrong, and it was the hottest weekend of the year last year, wasn't it? I was standing at the front in my speedos, sweating. <laughs> but Ellie comes in on Tuesday, makes some phone calls, and it's fixed. She does that because she wants us to have a great environment so we can do something with Jesus. Give her a round of applause. She's awesome. You know, again, I, could go on, I won't go on anymore, but there's loads and loads of people. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Because what you're doing is you're seeing something, restraining your life, and we're making it happen. Now, that is true of our church vision, but it's also true of your personal vision. What is it you want to do? Maybe it is to create wealth and bless you because I believe wealth in the right hands changes the world. It funds mission. It enables you to be generous to people who haven't got stuff. It's a good thing. Is that it? Maybe it is to be the best household in the world and be a great mum and a great father. Awesome. If that's your vision, be the best at it. But is there something when you look around and you go, I can't leave it like that. When it bothers you, I believe God's put something inside of you. Don't leave it. I'm not saying rush it. Let it develop in you. Chat it through with some people. But then push some doors. Ask some questions. Because as you start moving, God will direct you. And if it's not supposed to happen, he will shut it down. But he will direct you somewhere else. Because you are so important, your life has to count for something. Make a great choice. And in bringing all this the whole series together. Get your sails up, church. Keep your sails up, church. And can I encourage you, tell your story. There are so many people making different choices because of this series, but we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. It's your story that brings life to people. Sometimes they're like, wow, I didn't know you went through that. I'm going through that. And now I've heard of your story. It's encouraged me in my story. And you didn't even know. But because you had the guts to stand up and say, this is me. It makes a difference. Amen? Could you stand? I'd love to pray with you. Father, let me just invite you just to close your eyes. If you're willing, it just gives the people around you a bit of privacy and helps you to focus. You don't have to. Let's give Jesus our full attention. Lord, I want to thank you for all the brilliant people you've gathered this morning. 
you're not here by accident, church. Lord, I ask that you stir that thing inside of them. That passion, that dream, that hope. Stir it and stir it and stir it. Let your people get clarity of vision. Help us to put ourselves in relationships where we can fine-tune the vision. Get some wisdom on it. But Lord, I pray that no one would ever shrink back. That no one would ever be discouraged. But instead, we would be bold and courageous and strong and men and women of faith. And that we would see, hold and touch the very thing we've dreamed of. Jenny Wilson, just a word for you. You're a woman of vision. You've had all kinds of visions along our years. And I want to say to you, don't stop dreaming. Never stop dreaming. God will fine-tune it. Keep pushing the doors. Keep going. He knows the desires in your heart. He put them there, Jenny. Be encouraged. But don't stop pushing. He'll direct it. Um, is the student Debbie here this morning? Give me a wave. Debbie, are you here? Good to see you coming. Does anyone know Debbie? Anyone hear her friend? I'm going to say something over the microphone. Maybe she could hear it on podcast. Debbie, this is for you. You're not here this morning, but I believe you've got a gift of insight, a prophetic gift. And I want to blow on that right now on Pentecost Sunday. That God would just increase that in you. He's given you boldness, and I want that boldness to increase. Be sure, be sure, be sure, Debbie, that you get it right. Be confident. Speak it out. You will change lives. Increase in that gift, I pray in Jesus' name. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. Just give me one more minute. I don't want to skip past it. Patrick at the back there. I believe you've been a man of vision. And, and in the course of time and circumstances, it's dulled down a little bit. But I would, this morning, Patrick, I stir up that vision in you. You're a mighty man. There's a mighty man in you, Patrick. And I stir that vision up in you. Start restraining what you're doing to head towards that vision. Because it will be yours. You will touch it. You will hold it. You will see it. I encourage you, Patrick. Start moving again. Start asking questions again. Start declaring again. It will be yours. It will be yours. In Jesus' name. Becky Fraser, you've been with us a short time now, and you're an amazing lady. But I believe God just wants to increase your vision. You've got actually a bigger capacity than you realize for life, for spirituality, for wisdom. And Lord, I just want to speak anointing over Becky right now for this season. You will do great things, Becky. 
Let that faith drop in you. Start making life choices. And I believe you've already started making life choices, but you're going to have to make more to bring direction to your life so that you'll see and touch the thing you hope for. You're going to be someone who changes lives because of your faithfulness. There will be people on this planet who say, thank God for Becky Fraser. I wouldn't be where I am without her. So bless you, Becky. Let that vision stir in you and be bold enough to step into it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. If there's anyone here who's carrying a bit of a vision and you want to say, Lord, just stir that more in me, I just invite you just to raise your hand right now and we'll pray together that the vision in you would stir up even more. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, I thank you for men and women of vision. I stir that in Jesus' name. You will see it. Start addressing your life choices to step into that vision, to work towards that vision. God will supply all of your needs according to his riches. And you will see it. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. And Lord God, for people stood here right now who are unsure what their vision might be. Lord, I pray even after today they'll start saying, God, give me a vision. Stir something up in me. Let me see something I hadn't seen before. Let me grasp it. What do I want my life story to look like? Stir your church, I pray, Father God. And all God's people said...